you know, like our job that we don't get paid for. Somewhere. Welcome back. This is Origins and Adaptations. I am Andrew. And I'm Cody. And this is episode Nintendo 64. Well, whoa. We've gotten back to the 90s, boy. So, yeah. We have an episode Mm -hmm. today. It's a special one. Uh, We have another top five for you, folks. And it's Andrew and I. We made separate lists of. Separate, not the same. I'll let you go into what it is, though. Uh, Yeah, I had this really cool thought of. You know, we never we always talk about the redeeming character arc of villains, or we talk about the we we talk about negatives, but usually it has to do with how movies are made yeah. or how comic books are written. Yeah, but this is this is irredeemable villains. Yeah, not in the sense that uh, the way they're written is irredeemable, or they're just bad and you can't make them good. Bad characters. It's. These are villains who, in if they lived in modern day, like you could never find it in you to forgive what they've done. Right, and and you know for a fact that no matter how many chances or like anything they'll go through, redemption wise, they will always be evil. They will always be evil. They will never fall back into that category of oh maybe one day. Mm-hmm. Um, some choices of characters, villains who are redeemable. Loki is a redeemable character. Oh yeah, pretty much, pretty much any of the Asgardian gods. They're very redeemable. They'll they'll come to loyalty and they'll uh, try to do something. Doom, even Doom, was a redeemable character. Lex Luthor has been a redeemable character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, those are just those are just examples of characters that are written very well, and they have incredible story arcs. But they are no, they don't fit that irredeemable category. Right. Uh, so that is something we will have for you later on in the show. But let's start off with a little news. Uh, starting out, Penguin is rumored as the villain in the new Batman movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So I know we harp on the DC movies a lot. And uh, I don't know. I think sometimes it's... We put off on the show that we'll never go watch another DC movie again. We still have hope for these movies. Uh, I know that we don't have a lot of faith in the DC movies, mm-hmm. but we're still excited to see if they can make up for what they've done. At least I am. I don't know about I don't know about you. I can't say the same for you. But I'm still excited, like when I hear Batman news or yeah, Wonder it's Woman hard for news. me not to be uh, intrigued. I, yeah, I think Penguin would be an interesting mm-hmm. villain to see interpreted in a modern way. I know it would be so much different than the comics. Well, maybe not different than the comics, but certainly different than his only big screen mm-hmm. uh, appearance in the last thirty years, which is Batman Returns. Yeah, the Tim Burton flick where it was he was very. Much, it's very much a monster and 
you know, Tim Burton was more into that than he was sticking in to, the actual character. Than he was in, into sticking to the character. I I don't know if I can trust DC's current movie arc to make Penguin his best. Yeah. But it would be interesting to see him be closer to uh, the comic. The co- the comic book. Yeah. yeah. More like a gangster mm-hmm. and more like an actual human being. Yeah. Uh but, is 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 that all it is? Is is it's just Oh that it's penguin? just a it's a rumor. It's a right rumor. Now. So we don't have any concrete facts at all. Because uh, originally the rumor the bad guy was Deathstroke. Yeah. And that That's right. He's been written out and now he is part of the Injustice League, which is the stupidest thing in the world. But it's a thing. Uh headed up by, you know, good old Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor. Our favorite. Everyone's favorite. Uh, now, that. Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, no, he's irredeemable. <clears throat> yeah, that is, that fits the category of, like, terribly written, irredeemable. Irredeemably written. Yeah, just, like, and casted. It's just bad. Yeah. It is really bad. Uh, no, so I think it could be cool. I know that he is the, I think he's the main villain in the Gotham TV show, which, as much as I stopped watching that show... Uh, he, he was the best part, even though they didn't go with like the short, fat kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It's his like becoming penguin yeah. a sen- in a sense. And he has this like way about him, how he perceives himself or not perceives himself, but, uh, projects himself. And there was one moment that I thought they did really well, which is the first time that he, like, legitimately just kills someone. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're in a car, like, he's hitchhiking on the side of the road and someone picks him up. And as he, like, gets in the car, uh, they they talk about how it was funny that he was walking, like, he waddles like a penguin when he walks. Mm-hmm. And I believe early in the show, they kept calling, he he always wears suits. Mm-hmm. And so they kept calling it, like, penguin suits. And so, like, that was what they used to bel- belittle him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so when the people called him, like, you look like a penguin, like, he just flipped and he, like, he just kills the guys in the car, mm-hmm. like, stabs them. <clears throat> uh, so that show, I think, did really well. And they even gave him, like, a point, like, really pointy nose, pointy ears. Uh, they made him look, if there was a skinny, lanky cobble pot, mm-hmm. this guy was, this guy is perfect. Like he looks. I know people love to praise that the guy who plays Cobblepot. Yeah. Uh, uh, the sh- the show. How not tall good. is he though? In I the know, show, I, don't, I know the show isn't really very good. Uh, I think he's like five eleven, six one. So like, why did they pick such a tall one? I don't know. Well, the show in general, like Jim Gordon, doesn't look anything like Jim Gordon. I don't know how they came to that conclusion with Ben McKenzie. I I just don't get it. Uh. I think the only one that would, could possibly fit it is the kid who plays Bruce Wayne. I can see growing up to be a Kevin Conroy kind of person. Like he has that physique and just that face and the the way about him. Mm-hmm. That I think he could play actually a really good uh, Kevin Conroy Batman. Uh, but the show isn't about Batman. It's about Batman's villains fighting Jim Gordon. So mm. whatever. I don't care. Uh so yeah, that's the only other, except for the Batman Returns, that's the only other on-screen portrayal of Penguin. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, I I, I meant big screen, like like big, yeah, big yeah, movie. Yeah, but but yeah. yeah, I mean, I know, I know his version of the Penguin is compelling. It's, it's well acted, but I'd like to see just an actual. That, that was probably the best casting. Uh, uh for for uh Batman Returns, or are you talking about Gotham? Oh, I was I was gonna say with, with Gotham is, oh. is like I I know he, his version of Penguin is is really or his his version of Cobblepot. I don't mm. I, they don't call him Penguin. I think they do now. At the very beginning, as an insult or as his actual name? No, I think he's I think he's he's taking on the moniker. Okay, like he was starting to even more when I stopped. Okay, well it'd be cool to see an on-screen Penguin that actually. Fits, fits the yeah. bill of that comic book character. Which is, is, he, is he a gangster yet on the show? He's rising the ranks. Okay. It's, it's literally like when he starts, he is a like he's a lackey. And he just does he's like eighteen, I think. Mm-hmm. And so it's literally the start of how Penguin becomes Penguin. Okay. Um yeah, and he slowly starts he works under like uh Fal- uh Falcone. Carmine? Yeah. Falcone. He works directly under him. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, I was saying the Danny DeVito was probably the best casting. Oh yeah, for Penguin for how he looked and yeah. I would say if they didn't, if they took away the monstrosity kind yeah. of thing, I think it would have been a really compelling, like, and Perfect they took Penguin. if they took away the zaniness of just like just yeah. have him be. Um, I think we have a. He just said a lot of weird, gross things and did a lot of weird, <laughs> gross things that Penguin wouldn't actually do. Yeah, Penguin, he's he's a gangster and he keeps his girls around him and he, and he's just a simple bad guy. Yeah, he's just a gangster he, mm-hmm. and that's all he is. And yeah. Burton made Joker a gangster, mm-hmm. which I, I mean I didn't I didn't mind that, but it does. It does seem a little backwards to me to make one character something like that, mm-hmm. and then you bring in the character who's supposed to be a gangster, yeah. and you make him a monster. Mm-hmm. And the Joker is supposed to be the monster. Yeah, I think he was just trying <laughs> to do just... a take on Cesar Romero's Joker. Uh, uh, Burton? Yeah, just that whole, like... Yeah, but was Cesar Romero's Joker a gangster, though? I thought he was more like just a, uh, the fun-loving clown. Oh, he might have been. But I don't, I, I don't I remember just, him being homicidal on the show. I don't. I don't. I don't. Probably mention. not. But I think he was going like that. Um, he was going for that look. Oh the, no, the look is that's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, like the Joker had a gang of of you know these mobsters wearing leather and they had Tommy gun Tommy guns. So I yeah. I, I see him more as as uh, he's a the one who would have like he's in the comics. Yeah, I would say like his his gang would be like the psychotic, like people i i mean i really liked it, his gang in dark knight uh just dark knight oh oh just the, the, when he, the and, joker dudes yeah and like when he just killed them at the very beginning oh man oh yeah that was ingenious because he just killed them i know he, he just had yeah. them kill each other yeah that's uh i i know i praise batman begins a lot but that uh, that's really creative yeah and he keeps the money and for that himself. movie is still good like i will say out of the 3 it is the best movie. Mm-hmm. It is definitely the best movie. It's a cinematic masterpiece, mm-hmm. I would say. It's incredible. It's compelling. It's visually spectacular. Yeah. I don't think there's really any moment where you think, where you are giving characters that are not fully fleshed out 
and explored. Mm-hmm. Um, you are given that with Joker. You're given that with Two Face. You're given that with Jim, uh, Jim Gordon. Mm-hmm. You're given that with uh, Bruce Wayne. Even Fox, you know, has the whole, you know, popular line: "Some men just want to watch the world burn." It has that Alfredness to it. Yeah. Uh, no, that movie is incredible. Yeah. Um, I Batman Begins just has a special place in my heart, uh, because it was, it, it came out when I didn't know where superhero movies were going to go. Because I think it yeah, came out... Yeah, when that movie came out, there was no there was no real superhero movie climate. No, because no, it, it, was it still came like, out before Iron Man, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Way before. And so it was the first time, like, I think I was 05, like... 05, dude. 12. Pretty sure. I think I was like 12 o- or 13. 04, maybe. 04, 05. Yeah, I would have been 12. If it was 04, then it was 14 years ago. I would have been 12. And it was just like that moment where, like, I can go, I can make my choice of what movies I want to go see. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I still had to go with like I had to someone had to take me because I couldn't, couldn't get drive. there I couldn't get there uh, yeah and so like it was that moment and it was around that time when it's like I made this decision I really liked I just liked the movie I liked uh, Rachel Ghoul I I know some people don't like the portrayal of him by uh, Liam Neeson but I also just like Liam Neeson so. I do too, and I think his portrayal of Ra's al Ghul makes sense for that world, and in, yeah. in that every villain in that world was changed in order to make yeah. more sense. Yeah, because it is a more realistic mm-hmm. version, and you know we all know that they kind of crap the bed in the Dark Knight Returns of making some of the, some certain things unrealistic mm-hmm. and more outlandish. Yeah, well, and even the, and the first kinda one, it's kind of what they did. What's yeah. up? Batman Begins kind of had that too with uh, the dehumidifier. Uh, if it actually worked, then it would have uh, killed everyone's insides as well. But where is that? In, in which scene? The dehumidifier. It's the thing that he was going to use to. He put the toxic gas to yeah to change all the water into this right. fume. Right. Uh, our bodies are made out of seventy percent water, so it's like it would it would have done that to our bodies as well. Mm. It would have just killed everyone. Yeah. But, um. But that's just like a. That's a, more of a factual error, though. Yeah. I, what I'm, what I mean is like, how did Bruce get back to Gotham so quickly in The Dark Knight Returns? Yeah, and how did he put the, the bat, like symbol on fire? And how did you, building? how do you fix a broken back just with that, quick? Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, my back wasn't broken. Okay, it was, it was just, just out of place. <laughs> I just needed that an adjustment. Is that even how backs work? Uh, sometimes. But you better get your back broken by someone who only knows how to. How I to, think how to you know. I think what bothers me though is it. that part of that storyline is part of Nightfall, which is a huge, just like important piece of Batman lore. And Batman is out of the game for a long time. Like you, oh, are, yeah, you're actually under the impression that Batman's done. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that's why you bring in Nightwing. You bring in Azrael. Uh, and you have this whole stuff as... I hated Asriel as Batman, <laughs> but you're kind of meant to hate Asriel you're hate, as Batman. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to have the mindset from Dick Grayson, where he's yeah. like, this is not going to go the way you think. <laughs> uh, no, um, it just, it just now didn't Now no one work. cares about Asriel anymore. He's, uh, I think he just came back in the comics, actually. Really? Yeah. Um, he's a really cool character that once, I actually have a couple of friends, they find out who he is. And they start reading about him. They're like, man, this character is really cool. And I was like, 
Yeah, but he is a product of the 90s. <laughs> like, yeah. Azrael is the edgy, like, he is kind of like the Punisher if Punisher had blades for hands. Yeah. He's a Templar, and so he just kills what is evil, and he tries to uh, extinguish evil. Yeah, he uses extreme measures. Yeah. You know what's funny is actually some some of the things that uh, Red Hood said way later on in the 2000s remind me of some of the things Azrael said when he took the mantle of the cowl. I really do think that <laughs> Red Hood was introduced in a kind of replacement for Azrael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because see that. Cause Red Hood, just like he starts out as a villain. Yeah, yeah. Like, he is a very villainous character. Even though you find out it's Jason Todd, he's still like, I'm going to kill. I don't care what you say. Now he is not. They've definitely done like a redemption arc with him. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten to the point where I don't think he even kills any people anymore. But his, his, how rebirth, do you feel about the his whole... rebirth title is really good though. Is it? Yeah. See, it has Bizarro in it. Even though I've enjoyed some of the stuff that the Red Hood's been in, I kind of was disappointed that they didn't just keep Jason Todd down. Yeah. I I mean, the original I, way he came back was the stupidest thing in the world. I liked that was probably the best retcon they've ever done. Cuz originally he came back because Superboy punched the universe in the face. That's right. Yeah. Oh, um, I hate saying that. That's I really hate annoying. saying it so much. It's so Superboy punched the universe in the face. It's the it's, dumbest thing. Yeah. Uh, but they retconned That's a it. comeback that an 11-year-old would have. I'm yeah. going to punch, punch the, the universe, universe in the face. face. And then you'll never be born. Uh, no. And so they retconned it so that Talia uh, essentially finds his body and puts him in the Lazarus pit. But... Which is better than punching the universe in the face. Yeah. yeah. That's just the stupidest thing. Mm-hmm. I think what it is is some of the beauty of his death is lost in this whole this whole mess of things that happened later on I would, with him becoming the Red Hood. And now, like you said, he's not even a lethal killer anymore. No. It just, I don't know. I, I feel... Like, things lose their luster when you don't leave them alone, but that's the comic book world. They don't really leave anything alone. No, and it's something that we actually talked about when we talked about Professor X coming back in the Mm -hmm. X-Men. And I think, how long was he dead for? Like, 20 years, right? A long time. Like, it was early 2000s when they brought him back, right? Yeah, I think Or maybe later. Was he dead for 20 years? Maybe. 15 years? Because it was like 87 that he died? Around then. When was Death in the Family? Around then. Oh, wait, are we, are we back to... Jason? Jason Todd now? Okay, yes. you, you mentioned Professor X, so I was thinking about him. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, we had talked about... We had talked about Death in comics. How, okay. how long... Yeah. How long is long enough? Was that back before we were with Chris? Nope, I believe it, we were with Chris for okay. that one. Maybe not. Um, it, so... It was a good talk. I remember, though. Yeah, so we talked about Jason's, or not not Jason's death. We talked about Professor X's death. I feel that you can bring characters back, but I think it's tricky when a character's death is so... Impactful. Impactful, and it brings about such yeah. a beautiful thing, like the entry of Tim Drake. Yeah, Timothy Drake. And it was one of the weirdest moves by comics. 
the whole give like putting out a vote. Yeah, it was is, really cool of them to do something like that. And then then there's the epilogue with Tim Drake. Is it called a lonely night of dying? A lonely place of dying. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the the name of that little epilogue. Two Face, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is him. I think so. And then and well, some people thought it was weak sauce that Tim Drake found out that Bruce was Batman. But then at the same time, I'm thinking this kid is like the best detective around. Like he's just, no, that was the whole point. He's and naturally the, just amazing with his 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 detection skills are insane. Yeah. And what I loved about it is when he shows up at Starfire's apartment and is like, "Is Dick Grayson here?" And she's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, Nightwing, where is he? I need to talk to him And she's like, who is this kid? Um, I need to reread Death in the Family and A Lonely, yeah. a lonely Place of Dying Because that Am I getting the, the title right? Is it A Lonely Night or A Lonely Place of Dying? I feel like A Lonely Night I think Sounds I think, very Batman-ish Because it's definitely like a play on words with night N-I-G-H-T K-N-I-G-H-T uh, so yeah, I mean, Penguin would be a cool character in the Batman movie. I don't know. It is It is a lonely place of dying. A lonely place. Okay. Uh, I can't think of any Batman villain that I would want. Maybe Man Bat. I think a cool version Ooh. of Man Bat would be cool. That would be really cool. Um, so yeah. Oh, okay. Final thing. What I was going to say is, Penguin's cool. I'm not. I'm not. I, I am intrigued. Uh, it's a weird I, I'm choice not for his first movie. It is. I would. Man Bat's a great one. Mm-hmm. It's because Man Bat's a little more science fiction fantasy. It's a little. Yes. It's pushing. It's pushing the boundaries more of like, oh, Batman can face villains mm-hmm. who are fantastic and outlandish and crazy. Yeah. And for the longest time we had this this realistic Batman pushed on us and I hate I actually really hate, I hate this. I hate when people say I like Batman cuz it's more realistic. No, it's not. He lives in a world around everyone else who have they all have powers. Yeah. He doesn't. That's So that uh, doesn't the make, weird, it doesn't the make the story freaking more realistic. It's the weirdest thing because his his all his friends hu- have powers. His humanity is probably like the fact that he's human is realistic, but there's nothing human. There's nothing realistic about Batman. No, like the it's really the not. acrobatics he's doing with how like strong he is. Yeah, is insane. You don't have people who are like what two twenty, like two twenty six two. Yeah, uh, doing those insane. Insane amount of in that armor. In that armor, yeah, like jumping around, uh, dodging bullets, blah blah blah, yeah, and then yeah. he gets up to a guy and does a fist fight and just brawls him out. Mm-hmm. Like I would understand someone like Nightwing, who is slimmer and so he's faster, more agile, and he's able to find your weak points and take you out. He's not a like I will go fist to fist. Let's do this. He's less of a brawler. He's more about yeah. quickness. Yes. Whereas Batman has that brawliness. Yeah, And totally. he, he goes in and goes dirty. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, yeah, no ba- one Batman, can do this. Batman fights like a total thug. Yeah. But the thing is that, yeah, then you have him going and doing all the acrobatics and all the other stuff. And, and, uh, like the, like the just G- some of some of the physics and and yes. and and, and, yeah. and things just it wouldn't make sense the things that he gets away with no but that's why I get really annoyed when people say well Batman could actually ha- it's more it's more yeah. probable that it could happen <laughs> it's like 
well, would he still have a friend named Clark Kent who was yeah. from Krypton? Because yeah. that's part of Batman's story too. He's it friends. With, he's friends with him. You can't. Sep- also, he's you fighting can't separate- a dude who is a giant crocodile. Yeah, and Man Bat. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying he has villains. Who he has villains who are ridiculously p- overpowered. Yeah, Bane. Yeah, totally unrealistic. Yeah, which is why they had to change him for the movie. Yeah, but um, that's what makes Batman awesome. Is yeah. Of co- so he himself doesn't have powers, but I, I don't know why. I just always was so annoyed when people told me, because uh, whenever people see my tattoo or people see that I you know post about Batman a lot or that yeah. I like Batman a lot, they always say. I like how Batman doesn't have powers. It's more realistic. You should go read some of his comic books and yeah. see, or, or some of the comic books about is him it and more, see how realistic they really are. Is it also realistic that he knows like every single martial arts form? He's yeah, no one super can, intelligent and he like... He's really good looking. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, so he's just the perfect man. <laughs> But at the same time, he is. But he's uh, he's broken inside. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's he's the perfect specimen and the perfect everything. You know, intellectually just yeah. off the charts. But he is as unbalanced in every other way as possible. Like just just yeah. the likelihood of that whole, all working out. <sighs> it doesn't make any sense. No, he's a comic book character. Like <laughs> so, it's, I'm just saying. It's I think also it's funny. the same. When I think it's funny. I've. I I like it when people are like I like Marvel more because it's uh it's more realistic. And I'm just like uh there's a mutant who shoots lasers out of his eyes. It's pretty realistic. I'll give you that. And I think it's they I I understand what they're saying. They're going with the personal stories that Marvel puts out are more realistic. Like Peter Parker as a character is the most relatable character in all comics, I think. All comics. Anyone can relate relate to Peter Parker. They, in some way, have been an outcast in some way. Uh, even if you're the most popular person in the world, uh, you, you have been not chosen for something at least once. And, and I think we can all relate to that. Uh, either it's through elementary school, middle school, high school, in your later years in life, uh, it's something that we can go, I, I have been through that. Uh, and so that's that's why I think Peter is a person someone can relate to, and it's what Stan Lee wanted, is that Peter Parker is in every, he's in every man's man. Yeah, that, he is. Uh, he's just trying to live his life while also having Spider-Man powers. But... Uh, so I think that's where it's different. Where Batman, his life revolves around being Batman. His life's around his 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 life revolves around being able to balance things. There's no way a human could balance for twenty years the way he has. Yeah, the fact that it's like we see him go, and and his flaws. He, like you he know, goes to work at night, but then we also see him working during the daytime. Yeah, it's like. I get it. They make jokes about him never sleeping, but does he ever sleep? Like, and if he misses all his sleep, how is he human perfection? Yeah. If if he is living such a crazy, unbalanced life, mm-hmm. how is he the perfect physical specimen? Yeah. Which is stuff they tackle in like Venom, uh, and even in Nightfall. The reason oh, he yeah, lost no, to Bane in the first place is because I'm he not going to say there aren't awesome. moments, but yeah. it would be a lot dirtier and a lot rougher. Oh yeah, it would for be, anyone else. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, then going on, 
uh, I would say, I would say it's just, it's interesting, but I agree with the whole fantasy making, bringing like science fiction to it. Yeah. I would, you just mentioned one of my favorite, uh, Batman villains, uh, man bat. Yeah. Now only because he's such a physical, he's, I can't talk. He's such a physical threat to Batman and he's one of his more sci-fi villains. Mm -hmm. It's like. He's a, he's an experiment. Yeah. Yeah. He's cool. Uh, this is something that you uh, were able to point out to me. You brought this news to me. Uh, it was all over the internet afterwards, um, but the Boba Fett movie is confirmed. Uh, yes. Especially after Solo. So I think they were waiting for Solo to come out before they announced Boba Fett. Uh we will be talking about that movie soon, Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not right now, um, because I wanted I wanted to do this. Well, um, I was, you know, I wanted to see that movie today actually, mm-hmm. and I didn't have any time. Okay. I ended up getting busy. Yeah. Uh, but no, I really want to see it. Everyone that everyone that I trust has told me that they enjoyed it. Yes. That makes me happy. So. Yeah, I think you will. Oh my gosh, I have to announce this right now. This just popped into my mind. So I follow Saber Forge. Uh-huh. The company who makes awesome dueling lightsabers. Yeah. Uh, they're in Oregon, Oregon City. We've been to their showroom together. Yes. And anyways, they now make the Han Solo blaster pistol okay. and the Stormtrooper blaster rifle. Oh. And they look so killer dope. The the blaster, yeah. both blasters, but the 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 accuracy of the Solo blaster. The DL-44. Yeah. looks it, it's, it's awesome. And then... Uh, the accuracy of the Stormtrooper one is uncanny. Yeah. I'll show it to you after the podcast. That's awesome. It's, it's cool. But it's cool for them. Mm-hmm. And they even made a post about it. They said, these may be clumsy and random, but we think they're A-OK <laughs> or something, like, something cheesy like that. It was pretty great. Not clumsy and random like a blaster. A more civilized weapon for a more civilized age. You're thinking of that YouTube video where, yeah. where, Bo, where Boba, yeah, Boba Fett, Fett just <laughs> takes out a Jedi. And he's like really, really <laughs> pre- precise. Yeah. So clumsy and random. Yeah. Especially right after Obi-Wan just said, or no, it's before he says it, but right Not after. as clumsy or random as a blo- and, and, and you pew, pew, yeah. pew, and that, but, and that Jedi just gets taken out. Yeah, instantly. But then you also have right after that scene where he's talking to Luke, where he's like, these blaster marks are too too precise to be, yeah. <laughs> to be uh, a sand. For, for sand people? For sand people, yeah. It's just like. But you just said blasters were not precise and yeah. clumsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Once again, George Lucas, great writer. Uh, great creator. Yeah. Kind of hit or miss with the writing. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that should be fun. I think what I want this movie to do is show us the really cool bounty hunters. And this is something that I will talk more about when we talk about Solo. But Solo did a lot to give give enough to the fans who have invested their time in the the current canon universe. And, yep. like, there was times where I wanted to stand up and clap just because it was like, that That actually was said. Like, they said that name. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the... <clears throat> I heard a few of uh, my friends mention that there were some eye-roller moments. Is that mostly in... Maybe the humor? Or... Uh, there's a whole section. There's a whole section that's 
pretty close to the casino scene from episode eight. Okay. And there is a character that resembles the entirety of the casino scene. But it's just one character. Uh, you mean the whole like social mm-hmm. thing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much everything she does is an eye roller for me. Uh, I wouldn't say so. I would say like the humorous stuff that Han did. I heard. I heard oh he no! Was spot on. Yeah, there is a really big eye roll like at the very beginning. I think you will agree with me. Uh, Don't spoil it. No, I won't. Uh, so I would say that it's not the it's not the most perfect Star Wars movie. It's True. not even close to the best Star Wars movie. Uh, I would say it's better than eight and on the same line for Last Jedi. Not Last Jedi, Force Awakens. Uh, Rogue One is still the best out of the new ones for me. I love Rogue One. Yeah. Um, episode seven was and eight backhanded it. Yeah. Yes, I would say episode seven was going to be. One yes. of the better ones. But the way I look at it, with a franchise like Star Wars, when your sequels are meant to either enhance or, in this case, if it, if it brings down the previous mm-hmm. movie, yeah, uh, it it does affect it. Mm-hmm. If I was to pretend that 8 didn't exist, I wouldn't feel the same way, but I can't do that. It's, can't it's do there. That. It's, yeah. I, I can't just erase that. Mm-mm. So I have to say Rogue One because... That movie stands on its own and gets its job done. Yeah, and you can't you can't take that away from it because mm-hmm. it's its own little time capsule. It's its own yeah. little part of Star Wars. And it to me it helped enhance a character that I knew was cool and powerful, but I was never really shown that on screen. Which character? Darth Vader. Like it's. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's. I mean, you have the Obi-Wan and Darth Vader fight, like, lightsaber battle, and you just go, what? Well, Vader does a lot of badass stuff in Empire Strikes Back, I thought. With, I would, yeah, I would say so. When he's throwing all the objects at the, Luke, the that, throwing that stuff was pretty break, cool. Because that's when we first got to really see the force in motion. But this gets back um, to Lucas's organizational issues. He didn't have his idea of the force actualized. He no. didn't know... All the pushing and yeah. the acrobatics and the the martial arts and, and things that ended up being introduced in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't really know how to use that. Yeah. And it wasn't just budget. I don't think he knew that he wanted to, 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 to do that. Take to that go that far. Yeah. So I'm glad that we had, we mm-hmm. finally got that scene. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And I know yeah. we've, we've discussed that on the show so many times. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so good. Yeah, that, and I would say that moment. I would say episode four is a is a is a fine movie, but with the reveal of episode five, it just enhances that movie so much more. Yeah, like episode five just enhances four more. Uh, it's episode, episode five is the opposite episode, of eight in that episode it, it, six makes episode five a little weird. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it, it's just the. It gives us a more satisfying ending and epilogue because the very tail end of Empire is it's it's kind of a dud downer of an ending. Yes, like there's that badass scene with Luke and Vader, but then after that, it's like okay, we're on this medical frigate. This is lame. Like yeah. it was just kind of a bleh kind of and ending. It's and Jedi gave us excitement. Yes, and I think that's 
that's something that I was actually arguing with someone, or not arguing, really debating, because we both had our own opinions. Mm-hmm. And I respect his opinion, I can see where he's coming from. But it was this idea of, in Last Jedi, that the antics of Rose and Finn caused the deaths of pretty much everyone on the Rebellion. And he said he liked that idea that there was consequence to this fun, youthful adventure. That it, that they went on this silly quest thinking... What are they, though? 14? They're in their that's, mid to late that's 20s. Something kind of like that I was thinking about the whole time. Yeah, I understand youthful? that. Youthful? They're, uh, they're not that young. Yeah. They're, I, <laughs> they're adults. What bothered me, though, is we don't... That would have made more of an impact on me if I... If anyone who died on those frigates, I had seen. We right. don't. We hadn't seen anyone on the pods. Yeah. And so it's just these random numbers. There could be one person. There could be two people. I don't know how many people are on that pod. Uh, we're barely shown any rebels throughout the. Um, what was the one moment where they show the guy on the hologram who like didn't need to die? Oh, the guy in the medical frigate. It's just like he's like. Godspeed. <laughs> it's just like, wh- why are you on here? <laughs> thing has no fuel. Get off. <laughs> it was just weird. It's like, you know you're going to run out of fuel, so why don't you just ditch the ships in the first place and just leave? Uh, Cody, there is just a lot of... <laughs> I, I remember was, you and I Kevin was, laughing about that. I was, I was debating a lot this past week with a lot of people over why I enjoyed Solo more than Episode 8. And there were some people who legitimately had a had a say. What bothered me was when people were saying the only reason I didn't like Episode 8 more than episode or than Solo is because I am a Star Wars fan and they are a film lover and that's why they liked Episode 8 more than Solo. And then I had to bring out my big guns and say no. Like, I do love Star Wars. Because you don't like other movies, too. Exactly. It's like, I love film. I critique everything. And it's like, I don't just accept something because it played to my nerdum. No, I enjoyed Solo because I thought the plot was more coherent. The writing was a little bit better, and it played to the characters that it presented in the first part of the movie, and it worked with them. Episode 8... The characters are all over the place. The dialogue is all over the place. And the writing for why things happen is all over the place. Mm-hmm. That was That is another part where the guy is on the frigate. It's like, why? Why is he here? And there, there are cool moments. There are cool moments in episode eight. Really cool moments. But the more I think about them, the more I go, Why? Why is this moment here? And one of them is the Haldo moment. The the hyperspace through the ship moment. And it's like, why does she need to be on it? We have shown that protocol droids and astro droids can, can do this. They can control ships. Mm-hmm. Like we have seen, uh, probably not on movie screen, but in the shows, we have seen uh, either R2 or R5 control a ship by themselves mm-hmm. and they fly so we have seen droids who or can they do could this. at least put a, a ship in motion yeah 
And it's just like maybe not. I don't know about for an extended period of time, but at least like at least complete that task mm-hmm. of the. Uh, why am I forgetting what we we just said? The word the hyperspace. Yeah, the hyperspace bullet. Yeah, yeah. And so a droid but, could have programmed that, that and brings, done that. It brings me back to the the deaths. They also were, could have were, just not had Haldo in there. Were, yeah, we're left at the end of episode eight, feeling a sense of loss for the rebellion that this re- or the resistance cuz i guess there's like 10 or 20 resistance fighters left i don't know they kept growing and shrinking throughout the whole movie uh and so we get the sense of loss yet when i finish episode 5 which didn't have as many characters that died i have more sense of loss we have this moment of han is freaking carbonated Mm-hmm. Uh, the rebellion, the rebellion lost on Han. I mean, oh, carbonated. What did I say? Carbona- Car- well, carbonated. Say, yeah, like carbonation. <laughs> carbonation. Yeah, uh, yeah. carbonated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's the loss on Hoth. Mm-hmm. Like that. To me, that loss was more impactful than the the ships blowing up. Yeah. It was like, especially after Episode Four, we had gotten a win in Episode Four, and then we start with this huge loss, huge loss. Uh, and I did get that at the beginning of episode eight with the, the bomber chick, mm-hmm. like they showed her, they showed all these other characters and we saw them all start dying. And it's like, this was Poe's fault. Like this is, he did this and I got that feeling from that. I did not get it at the end. I did not at all. Uh, and to me that just goes back to the writing that, you could have executed it better, um, what you were trying to do here, what you're trying to say, but you didn't. Um, so yeah, I don't know how I got here, but Boba Fett movie is coming out. Yeah, I'm excited uh, though. Yeah, I'm excited for Bounty Hunters. And we don't know is it is it Bo- like Boba Fett flying so- solo or is it a maybe a Bounty Hunter movie? Well, solo is a different to- movie, but huh? no, I'm kidding. Uh, I said solo is a different movie. Uh, I'm so funny. Uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, I know. You were laughing. I saw it. Yeah. <clears throat> do you, do you yep. think uh, it's going to be a bounty hunter movie with Boba Fett as the primary character? Because I think that would actually be really cool. I think so, because the last we have seen Boba Fett before before uh, episode four, he is <sighs> rising in ranks of having his own like bounty hunter gang. And that was in uh, Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Yeah. So yeah, I, could, I don't know. I could I'm still. Way. I'm gonna have to hear the new voice the entire time too, probably. If they got Bradley D. Baker, the guy who does the clones in the Clone Wars, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> you like that voice a lot, though. I really like that voice. It's different. It's not. It's know. not the guy's voice from. It's not Django's voice. It's like a. Wait, I, wait, I thought it was. Mm-mm. No, it's not that actor. So who did the so in the original appearance uh-huh. in Empire Strikes Back, Boba Fett had a darker, gravelier voice. Yes. Uh, they changed it for because he becomes he becomes the, the clone. Of, so I can't. I guess that I can't hear this other voice in my head. I'm trying to remember which one it is. Uh, you mean the Clone Wars voice? Yeah. I mean, I can show you when we get home, but uh, 
no, Bradley D. Baker, he did the voice of all the clones in the TV show and in Rebels as well. The reason I say that, <clears throat> I don't want to spoil anything right now, but there is a certain character who shows up who is in the cartoons, Clone Wars and Rebels, and his voice is the voice from the the animated stuff. Okay. Uh, so that is the only reason why I say no. The guy who played Django is Tamura Morrison, and he's from New Zealand. So, no, I get you. No, I it's still that gonna be cool. It. No, I don't know. I just it would be interesting if they chose him There's... as the voice actor, or if they even chose him as the actor. I don't know why I care so much about that. Yeah, because he has how many lines does he have in Empire Strikes Back? Like three. Maybe, maybe, maybe two. Mm-hmm. It's just—I don't know. I just like—it's hard. For I just me. like how evil he sounds. It's hard for me because I didn't. When I was getting into Star Wars, I didn't have that voice. I yeah, had. They probably replaced it. By I him. had the yeah. I had the Jango Fett voice. So I've. It's hard for me to have an attachment to that voice. Yeah. It's not a bad voice. I'm telling. I know. I hate to break it to you. Django Fett is a character. His voice wasn't the problem for me. Was well, Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Well. Django Fett was, I don't know, they, they kind of, they gave him some cool tricks in it. As as our friend Scott always said, episode two was Django Fett's best movie. That's true. That's true. Because he died in it. <laughs> and it was the first oh, movie. spoiler. The only movie he was in. Uh, so moving on, uh, Sony pulls the Black Cat and Silver Sable movie, which I really like because it means Sony's doing less Spider-Man movies. But then this news came out and made me even angrier, which has Woody Harrelson, who's in the Venom movie, uh, Apparently, he confirmed that there's a sequel in the works for Venom. And it's just like, why why pull Black Hat and Silver Sable if you're not going to pull the rest of your movies and stop making these Spider-Man movies? Because you're ruining it. And I really wish that you could just give these characters back to Marvel so we can have actually fully fleshed, thought-out characters. That's all I have to say about it. So moving on to our main topic, uh, top five irredeemable villains. So who is your first pick? My first pick. And I say when we when we give these picks, we give our reasons why. My first pick was Carnage. Okay. Uh he's a serial killer and he just goes through demolishing everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that alone I feel like kind of, it kind of gets him on the list. He's he's just a he's just a bad guy. Yeah. That's all he'll ever be. Yes. There's there's no side of him. It's like, oh, there's a deeper dimension to this character for his motives. It's just he is he's mm-hmm. an evil guy. Yes. He had to be on there, even though I've I've not really read any Spider Man that featured Carnage in him. Mm-hmm. I mean I've done my homework. I I know what he's like. I know yeah. I know he's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I know he doesn't care about anyone. No. So I couldn't really think of anyone more worthy of the fifth spot. I mean, mm-hmm. I have my other spots chosen. Okay. Uh, for me, it's the governor from The Walking Dead. Uh, I know that a lot of people would probably put, uh, oh, what's his name? I I had it 
earlier today, and now I'm forgetting it, and it's going to bother me so much uh, that I don't remember his name. Uh, he has a baseball bat. For those who are Walking Dead fans, you're hating me right now, and I know you're hating me right now. He's the biggest bad in The Walking Dead, and I just forgot his name. But the governor is the first major villain that you run into in the comics. And the reason I put him on this list is because he almost has a story arc of you're like, okay, he he could be redeemable, but then he chops off Rick's arm. For those who haven't read the series, this is going to be a spoiler, but... Uh, he chops off Rick's arm. He does some weird sexual stuff with Michonne. Maybe rapey stuff. It's not super clear, like, at all. Uh, and you find out that he keeps his zombified dead daughter, like, in his, like, house. And it's just weird. Like, he's just a weird dude. Yeah. And all he cares about is himself and the power he has. And he doesn't care about anyone else. And then, I mean, he's... The the worst part, uh, which is um, at the very end of his story, the it's the huge prison scene, and what happened is the main characters who are in have taken over the prison. He pretty much rushes the prison with a tank, uh, and bursts down the fence. So all the zombies come in. They start killing a lot of the main characters. The main character Rick, his wife who has a baby with her like they're running and the governor tells his second in command to to shoot her and she doesn't know he i think he knows she has the baby and she doesn't know uh and so she shoots her uh and she falls and kills the baby as she dies as well and the woman is like you just made me kill a child and like pretty much just leaves the guy the governor to be eaten by zombies um yeah, that's that's his character all the way throughout. Like he is just a despicable human being uh that doesn't there is no redemption to his character. There's no way I would accept any redemption to his character mm -hmm. uh for the stuff that he did uh and the stuff that he allowed to happen. Right. Negan. Um, Negan, thank you so much, Chris. You're welcome. I ah uh, for some reason, like, I even, when I was putting this list together, I was like, I should do Negan. And then I totally lost it. I totally lost it. Thank you, Chris. You're my hero. You're everyone's hero. You're a beautiful man. Well, you know, Google is a oh, yeah. powerful thing. Thank you. <laughs> At least you admit that you use it. Yeah. Uh, so you're number four. I put my phone away. Yeah, why'd you do that? Because it's a distraction. We have a list here. No, I know. I remember what it is anyways. Uh, Joker. So the reason why I picked the Joker is because, well, I love Batman, mm -hmm. and I like the Joker, and I was trying to think if... I don't know that I would even say Joker is my favorite Batman villain. He's certainly one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I certainly think that he's pure chaotic evil, mm -hmm. and he's just he's the guy you just... You never want him around. Yeah. If you were actually in that universe living as a you know, a, a civilian, Yeah, you would never want to be in a city with that guy in it. No. Um, he's pure chaos and he's pure evil all wrapped into one. Mm -hmm. So his his energy, his, his evil isn't even focused. It's too random. Yes. It's too scary. Yes. I, I, I just couldn't deal with it. It's too much. Um, that being said, I think his evil nature is what makes him so damn compelling. Yes. 
And that's the thing. It's the I, draw of the character. That's the thing about this list. Yeah. Is it's not terribly written, hokey. They're evil characters. It is. They're irredeemable, but they're still good villains. Like, they're still villains that we like reading about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's the main thing about this list. Yeah, I... I can't say the same things about Ra's al Ghul as mm-hmm. I can about the Joker. Yeah, he's a more compli- he's a more complicated type of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't really, I wouldn't go so far as to say, uh, he's ever really good. Oh, Ra's. Yeah, yeah. But there's there there are so many more layers to him. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the with the Joker, sure, there's mystery. Mm-hmm. Like like who is he? Yeah, but. You're never thinking for and a his, second. You're never his, thinking for a second. Oh, maybe something nice will. Maybe he'll do yeah, something good. Yeah. Like what? No. There is the weird That's relationship hate... between him and Batman. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what, oh, you mean Joker and Batman? Mm-hmm. Well, he just wants to be make bat. He he doesn't want to kill Batman, but he wants to make him miserable. He yeah. used to want to kill him in the old comics. Yeah. I mean, this whole him wanting to keep Batman alive and around so he can play with him. That's kind of. Really, only in the last 15, 20 years, there was a there, it's new age. There was a time when Joker did want to kill Batman, oh, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I think it works more. Probably not. I, I guess that was probably introduced closer to thirty years ago that he wanted to just play with, and toy with Batman, like killing yeah. Joke. Yeah, I don't think he ever in that. I don't think he ever wanted to kill Batman in that one. I think it was all torturing him. Yes, and uh, and, to, killing and torturing joke, Jim. Killing Killing Joke came out after Dude, Death in the Family, though, right? Yes, I believe because so. he didn't want to kill Batman in that one. I I think I'll I'll Google it uh, after the show, so it won't be on here. Um, but anyways, uh, dude, what all the gross nastiness that Joker did in Killing Joke? It's totally redeemable. Yeah, the taking photos of Barbara Gordon and yeah. you know, oh my gosh, it's just it's disgusting. Yeah, it's just it's just it's perverted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Joker makes my top five. Uh, I'm not. So blind of a fanboy that I'm gonna put him at my number in, in my top two. Okay, but I had to I had to at least include him on the list. Yeah, uh, my number four is Anton Arcane, and this guy is from the Swamp Thing. This guy is piece of work. He's really bad. Is He's, he? Yeah, he is. Still got to get around to Swamp Thing. That's on my list, man. It's so good. It's on my list. Uh, but no, this character, uh, he is pretty much like evil incarnate, and one of the craziest things is he's he's like a demonic magician and it gets to the point where like very early on in Swamp Thing before like the Alan Moore stuff he was he was killed and so it's like oh we don't have to worry about his character anymore where in this he comes back and he takes over the body of the the main chick in the in Swamp Thing, he sh- takes over the body of her husband, who gets in a car accident, uh, and that he uses to pretty much take possession of his of his body, uh, and then psychologically manipulates the chick into the point where he then sends her like soul to hell uh, for. Only reason is because Swamp Thing's in love with her. Or uh, other way around. She's in love with Swamp Thing. Like, at this point, he really hasn't come to that conclusion. But 
just the whole time I was reading Swamp Thing, I was like, man, this this is a horrible character. Like, in no way do I want this character ever to be redeemed. And there's even a point where Swamp Thing then has to go into hell to um, find her. And he comes by this this creature. And uh, on the way out, the guy's like, bring me with you. And Swamp Thing's like... Never, <laughs> like you were going to, you were going to rot down here for the rest of like eternity. Wow! Uh, and it's just seeing that just like cowardice and that just patheticness of this character. Uh, it really stood out to me, and I mean, it helps that it's Alan Moore, Alan Moore's writing, uh, and the art's gorgeous. But um, it does get really weird later on in that. Is issue. the art inside as good as the covers? Yes, good. it's the same art. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Then it looks really good because mm-hmm. the covers are amazing. Yes. Those are epic. Yeah. I really want to get into those. Yeah. I don't know. When I saw those covers, I was like, ooh, oh. I want to get into this. This looks cool. And oh. they, I think I told you this on the show before, but uh, when I was a little kid and I watched the cheesy Swamp Thing movie that came out in the 80s, I, I saw it when I was really young, probably yeah. three. I had my mom cut out random shapes of uh, green and brown paper mm-hmm. and tape it to me so I could be Swamp Thing. What? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He's such a cool character. He's a really cool character. The more I'm reading about it. Um, I am excited for James Wan. He's cre- He's a cre- He's a real, he's a truly inventive creation. Yes. The idea of that being a superhero mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah. Um, You're number three. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Add one more K to that, so that way it's not uh, racist. K. Sweet. Kilgrave, Purple Man. Okay, yeah. It's a good choice. Me saying KKK isn't inherently racist. <laughs> I know. You can say that word. <laughs> you can say that you can say that word and not be for it. I was making a joke. Nice try. <laughs> so, uh, Kilgrave. Poor taste. I, I know. Think- I'm sorry. I think well, okay. So my first in, my introduction to this character was through Daredevil Yellow, okay, yep. which is a great read. It's a great the read. death of Karen Page. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. Spoilers. We've talked about it before on the show, right? Have we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyone who's gone through the chronology of our show, our, our, our they, they yeah, because I think Daredevil know. Yellow was that was back, a, that was back definitely we, a favorite recent read of mine. I know it well, had to I, have been. That was back before we introduced favorite recent reads, and I think it was back when we were doing trade of the week. Because Spider Man Blue was definitely a trade of the week, and that's where we we read a trade and then talked about it. Yeah, but Daredevil Yellow, I didn't read till way after that. I read it about a year after Blue. Yeah, but I don't know if that was during favorite. We talked about it. That's all that matters. Um. So, anyways, my thing with Kilgrave. You can throw all the backstories around that you like. Yeah. The guy's power mm-hmm. is horrifying. It's very it's it's incredibly terrifying and yeah. it's so perverted and messed up. Mm-hmm. It's so manipulative and disgusting. Yeah. Stop breathing. Yeah. You know, cut your wrist. Yeah. It's like the fact that he can get away with that to me is so scary and so gross. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think he's a disgusting human. Yeah. And that's why he's a good villain. Yes. He's an incredible Very villain. So. He, I mean, and I, I never finished the last, I think I think I still have like three more episodes or four more episodes of uh, Jessica Jones season one, but I thought he was amazing on the show. 
and uh, probably so the, probably the biggest part of the show for me. I mean, he is. It's he was the show to me. He is the show, and it's why I couldn't get through. I still haven't really gotten through season two of Jessica Jones. Uh, I will need to, so that way I can be caught up on the the uh, uh, Netflix shows, the Netflix Marvel shows. Yeah, I need to get caught up on Punisher because I know that the filming for season two just started, and season three for the filming for season two of Punisher. Yeah. Good lord, am I that far behind that they're yeah. already filming that? And season three of Daredevil, I think, is has started the filming. Nice. Yes, I'm so excited. Oh, and yeah. I need to, I need to watch Punisher, and oh, I need yeah, to finish. Boy. I need to at least finish Jessica Jones season one as well. Yeah, there's uh, there's two moments in the sh- in that show that really terrified me as a character, and I don't think there are moments that other people would choose because there are the moments where it's like blatantly. Just messed up, like edgy, super, super gory stuff. Like cut people's throats with glass, blah blah blah. Yeah. For me, the first one was when he told the guy to throw the coffee on himself. Oh gosh, yeah, that the, was that was scalding that is, hot coffee. That is absolutely one of the top three or two or three moments. Yeah, and then there's uh, another there's yeah. another scene where he tells a chick to put a bullet in her mouth, in a sense, like shoot yourself. Uh, and so she, like, she tries to shoot herself with the, with the gun. Right. Uh, and there's an inventive way of how someone gets around it, um, to stop it. But that was one where it's like, man. And when you see the state of his victims. Yes. The girl in the bed. Yeah. And she wet herself and just, uh, is that, is that where she was? Or where, where, uh, where, yeah. she, she was stranded in that hotel room, right? Yeah, yeah, it was in the bed. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I was like, oh my God, this guy yeah. is just awful. Yes. So the way I think about it is, for pure evil, this is someone- Irredeemable. Yeah. This is someone you could never, under any circumstances, justify- His actions. Or I was, I was going to say siding with them. Yeah. Being in the city they live in. Yeah. Or forgiving them. Mm-hmm. Those are the three- requirements I, I would yeah. think and I think Kilgrave fits all three of those. Yeah. I agree. Uh for me, my number three is your number five. Yeah. Uh yeah. Carnage. So you touched based on this before and I want to dive more into Carnage as well. And the reason that Carnage is so evil is because these the symbiote when it takes over you, it amplifies your desire. Mm-hmm. And I know so, that much. And that's why with Spider-Man, like, he was still doing good. He he actually never did, like, a lot of evil, bad things as the black suit Spider-Man. He was actually doing a lot of good. The problem was is the symbiote started, uh, started doing things when he was asleep. It started trying to take over his body and take over his life. And that's why he had to get rid of it. Uh... With Venom, Venom's, Eddie Brock's whole desire was to kill Spider-Man, was to get rid of Spider-Man. And so with the Venom suit, that just amplified that even more. Like, he wasn't out to kill everyone else. He had no super, super evil desire. And that's why, and that's why he is a redeemable character, because that's not inherently who Eddie Brock is. Uh... And then with Carnage, though, it's 
uh, Cletus Cassidy, who is psychotic. And he is, like you said, he is a serial killer. And so that venom, the symbiote that takes over him, just amplifies that so much more. And that's the reason for his different color. The red color is just his bloodthirst is so intense that he just wants to kill things. Uh, And he will kill anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. He will just kill you. Um, and it's a terrifying villain. Uh, he's one of the scariest looking Spider-Man villains. Yes. And he's he's, really scary. I loved him as a kid. I loved him as a kid. Well, first of all, red's my favorite color. And, but once I I started, once I I started reading more about Carnage, he became less and less of a favorite just because I was disturbed by who he is as a character. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say he is one of Spider-Man's most powerful villains. Carnage? Yeah. Raw, just viciousness. Yes. Yeah, and he will, he literally will just kill anyone. There's some cool artwork of him, too. Mm-hmm. Classic. Yeah. yeah. I'm pulling up Carnage art. Carnage art. Carnage art. Well, that's cool that we had a mutual one. Yeah. Who's your number two? My number two... Irredeemable villain is Red Skull. Okay. Um, I think a big part of it for me is it's his association with World War II and Nazi Germany. Okay. Um, him being a racist and basically a narcissist and and just someone who wants everything for themselves. Yeah. And I I couldn't really think of one thing about the guy that I actually thought was like, oh, I understand that he's mm-hmm. it's all it's all. It's all evil, and I yeah. and I feel like the. I feel like his. His his racist nature and him, and him being, um, associated with the Nazi party and everything just kind mm-hmm. of amplified that. Yeah. What do you think? I agree. Yeah, I think it was a a big part of what makes him such of. What makes him such, an evil character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just despicable. Who's your number two? My number two is Brainiac uh, from DC. I uh, thought about him. Yeah. And th- then I realized my only reason for not picking him is that he was with planets. He is, you could say he's doing research. He, I mean, That's why, to me, he's irredeemable because the amount of genocide that he does. Yeah. For research purposes, sure, sure, is horrifying. Well, I guess that's true of the Nazis too. They did research. Yes, and so just because, and he doesn't yeah. care if the universe collapses. He just wants to assimilate as much knowledge as he can, mm-hmm. and he will use people and toss them aside when their usefulness is done. Yeah, and I yeah, think, oh, yeah. I think the difference He's between terrible. yeah, I would say the difference between Thanos and him is Thanos was doing his for a reason. He had as much as flawed as it was and he's it's still not a good thing. He had a he had a goal. And this goal was for the good of the universe. As flawed as it was, his goal was for the good of the universe. With Brainiac it's not. It is this is what I want and I will take it and I will throw away anything I don't need. Uh 
And it's that sense of how terrifying of a villain he is um, when that is established. Because there's no reasoning. There is no reasoning. There is no uh, bringing him back to a different light. There's none of that. He is a despicable, evil character. Right. Um, who will just kill everything. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's my number two. Good. Yeah. My number one? Yeah. My number one is Supreme Tri-Mage Willem Ryan from um, Amory Wars. Okay. So this guy, okay, gosh, he is everything you could possibly hate about every villain you've ever you've ever hated. Mm-hmm. So he's a genocidal warmonger. Mm-hmm. He's homicidal, meaning yeah. he, he he won't shy from killing you in per, like you know one on one either. Yeah. Um, he is a racist. He harvested this race of aliens because he saw them as useless, and he actually used them to feed his power supply for his base. Okay, he used basically he fed them into this. You know what? I can't, I can't. I'm gonna have to get too nerdy to go into it. Basically, he he was using their you know their bodies like their energy to fuel a light source that would basically power his uh, his headquarters called House Atlantic. Okay. And like just throwing them throwing them you know one by one into mm-hmm. a vat to power his you know yeah. his house basically. Hmm. Um, he is so evil that he has found a way to enslave people in the afterlife. Okay. He is so evil that the leader of um, the army opposing him, gosh, why am I forgetting uh, the name of the Reich or whatever? Anyways, her name was Mariah, and she was a, she was the, the leader of basically, you could say, like the resistance or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Yeah. And he sent out from his right-hand admiral and his right-hand... Uh, uh, general who both hate each other. They were like in a rivalry to, against one another. Yeah. Uh, to bring her head to his desk, and one of them did. And he looked at her severed head and said, "Dear Mariah, the world is not big enough for the both of us." And he's just a disgusting guy. He's brought mm-hmm. himself back to life multiple times. Multiple times. Yeah. He's faked his own death. He's He's just a really, really scary foe. There's just the, I can't think of anyone else that I hate more that I've that I've read. Yeah. But besides maybe a couple Stephen King villains. Yeah. But I hate him. I just I, <laughs> I, I, I just I just hate the character so much. But he's so good at it. And uh he he even has admitted in uh his own in his own monologue that he wants everything his way and then there's an ellipses and it says everything evil. Yeah. Basically, he he knows he's evil. That's how he wants it. Yeah. So he's not. It's, it isn't like. I mean, let's compare someone from the real world. Let's let's talk about like uh, Hitler. Mm-hmm. Well, he tried to pass off what he was doing. He he tried to excuse it. Yeah. This guy's not even trying to excuse it. He's saying, yeah. "No, I want things to be evil." Mm-hmm. And to me, nothing is more evil than that. Yeah. Like, one hundred percent owning up. Like, I want things to be awful for everyone mm-hmm. and i'm happy with that yeah it's just uh, i get goosebumps just, think, <laughs> just, just, just thinking just thinking about there's a the uh the panel where you see uh her severed head it's just oh my god it, in a yeah. box it's just like oh my it's just oh my god it's, it's so disgusting that's bad yeah it's horrible yeah uh my number one was your number two uh really? red school yeah, yeah. 
Uh, he is actually the character that I. You acted of- unexcited when I mentioned Red Square, <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, "Was that not good enough for uh, you?" I I had to hold back so much, Cody. No, I was like, ah, when you're like, "Don't you agree?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do agree." No, I, I was and like, I want to talk like, about this so much. Was good enough for him? Was uh, it good enough? I'm for sorry. Him? Uh, no, it was good, okay. and the reason. The reason I even came up with this list is because I was thinking of Red Skull. Like, the reason I wanted to do this was because of this character. Mm-hmm. And just how horrible of a just a human being he is. Mm-hmm. Just horrible things. The atrocities he's done. The the people that he has put, tor- he has tortured. And, he's gross. Uh, there's the whole thing with uh, pretty much trying to... Uh, if I remember correctly, he was trying to uh, impregnate um, Steve Rogers' love interest, uh, Carter, Shannon Carter. Uh, and he was trying to do that so he could essentially raise uh, Steve Rogers' kid uh, to kill Captain America. Like... And it was a sense of, like, I want to take this, I want to ruin this kid's life, and I want to make it my own so that way I can ruin his life. And it was just, it's insane. Like, he does incredible amounts of evil just to get his way. Uh, There is no redeeming this character in any way. In any way. And it's not the side of, like, a socio-psychopath like Cletus uh, Cassidy of he's very methodical and he thinks things through and he just thinks like you're talking about with your guy is just the way he thinks is just so evil mm-hmm. and he he loves it so much mm-hmm. and it gets to the point where his own daughter uh he puts her he treats her like trash and like makes her go hungry he like beats her he abuses her to the point that she becomes oh, him gosh. like he wants her to become him uh, so that way there can be another him in the world. Uh, and he just keeps coming back. Recently he did Secret Empire where he changed Steve Rogers' memories. So Steve Rogers thinks that he was a part of Hydra. And so then he then causes people and the the Avengers start to do things they, they don't want to yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, that was with the whole Deadpool. Captain America. Uh, that's, yeah. that's the Captain America Hell Hydra thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he's just a horrible character and he looks like the devil. So he does horrible, 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 horrible person. Good villain. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. What, what is his origin story of, of the face? Um, what is that all about? Similar to the movie. It's, uh, he went through an experimentation. That's what I thought. That enhances, that enhanced himself, but it, it disfigured him. Yeah, it's weird though because a lot of a lot of the disfigurations, like he still looks cool. Yeah, like 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 his his eyes and everything. Well, like, it's because he still has flesh. I guess so. And yeah, so but not, he just he looks so. Uh, and his eyes are piercing. And yeah. It's like yeah. But he he has those arched eye the arched eyebrow look mm-hmm. that's just yeah. so scary looking. Yeah. He's a scary looking guy. He is. Very much. So. I can't even you know I can't even fathom seeing that in comic book pages in the thirties and forties. That had to have been edgy for its time. Yeah. yeah. For its time, very edgy. Well, I don't... I'm trying to think. I don't know if Red School was in there in the 30s and 40s. Well, he was... Cap, he, for Captain America? 
Yeah, I think he might have come out I in thought the sixties. I thought it was during. I thought he was one of the first appearances in um, in. Uh, well, I guess it wouldn't have been Marvel, but whatever the earlier stages was, where Captain America punches out Red Skull—that's Golden well, Age. Well, I know that he punches out Hitler. Oh shoot, you're right. That was Hitler, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that did Red Skull not make appearances at that time? I don't think Hydra was a thing. You can look it up. I may be entirely wrong. No, you're right. I, I don't know why I confused him with the cover of of Cap punching out Hitler. That's iconic. Yeah. I've seen that artwork in, in person. Yeah, they've, at, at Chris's shop. Well, I'm pretty sure they've. They've parodied that, where Captain America's punching out Red School in the same way. Um, it it might have been, but I I distinctly remember the forty one. Th- it was so it was the forties. Forty one. Uh, because I do remember a lot of, a lot of the early yeah, comics. Dude, he was pretty nasty. Look at him there. He looks pretty nasty. Yeah. For for that time. Yeah. He's got a swastika on his chest. Yeah, because it it wasn't Hydra really. The, no, the big, no, 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 Hydra thing, wasn't around yet. The big thing was that Captain America was fighting the Nazis. Like, yeah. Because as much as we love them, uh, the early comics were propaganda, but um, with Superman and... It was, but I mean... It was good. It's good stuff. Yeah. I feel it like... Was, it I, was, I feel like the war propaganda of World War II is a little more universal. Uh, yeah. A little, a little, a little less one-sided. Yeah. It's a, it was a different... A different time. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the U.S. didn't do some sketchy things or that Britain didn't do some sketchy things, but I'm glad we won. Yes. <laughs> I uh, mean, no, I I agree, and I think that's the biggest thing is if if it was if it was propaganda in which the characters were committing atrocities, then it would be different. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone was in favor of having a character like Captain America fight Nazis. As well as a character like Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Superman was a propaganda character. Yeah, Captain America's was way more on the nose. Yeah, like, and like, his, like he, he, you know, with uh, the A uh, on his chest yeah. and the red, white, and blue. Yeah, and the like, Captain. Like it was, he was definitely a part of the army. Right, he fought with the army. Superman, I, you can see the symbolism there, but it's a little less obvious. Superman was, I think, the biggest. He thing was is a that, symbol of more of hope. Yes, and what I mean, that's essentially what that. The S stands for. Yeah. Uh, no, and oh, I, I think... <laughs> shut up. <laughs> You're right. Uh, no, and I think that's a big part it's is... It's not an S. It's not an Where S. Where I come from, it means hope. Well, here, it's an, it's S. an S. It's an S. S. Uh, I'm not Margot Kidder. <laughs> uh, no, and I think the biggest thing with Superman is that he was created by Jewish men. Um, Living in America at in, that time. At that time. And I think it was a really big thing of there is hope, and we want to inspire kids to have hope. Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster. Yeah. Really awesome guys. Uh, and I think I think it they really helped. They didn't steal credit from what, each other. Yeah. That was that's great. Good. Yeah, they credited each other for what happened, uh, unlike a certain man. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I he, really he think- He means Bob Kane. I know. He means Bob King. Yeah. Uh, I really do think they really helped bring a sense of hope and peace with that character mm-hmm. um, to a generation of people who thought the world was essentially over. Yeah. Yeah. 
A lot of, I mean, a lot of people really did. Yeah. And, you know, just from the 20s through the 40s, there was so much with the war. And then, of course, earlier the Depression and everything. Mm -hmm. It was just a scary time. I bet you they did think that it could have been the end of the world, basically. Gosh. But I understand why comic books did what they did. And I I, I get how necessary that Boy Scout persona was Mm -hmm. for both of those characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the Red Skull as a as a counterpoint villain hit the hit the nail on the head harder than any Superman villain. Yes, because Superman wasn't fighting. Um, well, at least none of his none of his primary villains. Well, were even remember like that. the the TV fought, show, the old TV show. Like we watched it together, and it was just like the the necromancer or the mad scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like stuff like that. Where it's, it was really cool. Yeah, it was cool, but none of them had names. No. Uh, and it was just... Um, fun. It was fun things. It was random people, generic villains, mm-hmm. which at that time wouldn't have been generic villains, just because we have so many villains nowadays. Yes. yes. But to them, that would have been like, oh, this guy's evil. Like, this is the evil of the evil. Yeah. And but now... By, by modern standards, those, those were very by-the-numbers villains. Yeah. But... The thing is, they're one of the ones that started it. So yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. the it's mad funny. scientist thing started with. Yeah, I mean, it's we take for granted all all the genius of those early comic book writers because mm-hmm. they came up with ideas that weren't there. No, so God bless them. Yeah, and uh, you know, I wanted to touch on hmm. something that I was thinking about the other day with Bob Kane and Bill Finger. So Bob Kane did the art. Yeah, it's still funny to me though that. Uh, a lot of even the stuff that Bob Kane was drawing, Bill Finger had the idea for him to draw it. Yes. The oversized objects that mm-hmm. Batman and Robin were fighting, because for some reason that was a big theme, and I kind of liked it. It was kind of it's kind of spooky how they were on like these big pianos and big mm-hmm. typewriters and stuff, yeah. like when they were in the like the Riddler's maze or yeah. That was all those ideas were Bill Finger's ideas and he would tell Bob how to draw them because mm-hmm. Bob was a great artist but he would go and take the credit for things that Bill was like hey you should draw this yeah it's like and then Bob of course took his paycheck to the bank Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster were in it together to the end to the end but wouldn't yeah. it suck a little more if a character as benevolent and perfect as Superman had a creator like Bob Kane? Yeah. That'd be sad. To me, yeah. that'd be sadder. With Batman, I always kind of thought no one ever really owned Batman. Batman came... Batman was an inevitable character. Mm-hmm. He came out of... It was a natural progression, I think, because... And the funny thing is, like, the storylines I've read of Batman really weren't the Bob Kane stuff. Like I've only read a little bit of the Bob Kane era. Yeah, like most of it was like the Jim Lee era and the Chuck Dixon. Yeah, um, yeah, that stuff. I've read a lot of it. I've I've read probably at least ten Golden Age Batman stories. They're fun. Mm-hmm. I I sat down one day one day and I like comics with a copy of the big volume, the Golden Age, the Golden, the Golden yeah. Age volume, and read probably ten stories. Nice. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I like that Batman used a gun and shot a uh, a gangster off a a trapeze. Piece. What do you, what do you call what, what would you call it? Just they they were in they were in a circus, and I I wonder if those settings 
were what sparked some of the ideas for Robin and probably and all yeah. that because there was just some generic boss that Batman was fighting mm-hmm. on like a high rise in a in a, under a big top somewhere mm-hmm. and he shot him off like Batman was on, on a tightrope like walking and he and Batman's got his gun and he just <laughs> wow, he just blasts the fricker and uh, Batman literally. He literally says something like, well, now we don't have to deal with any more of that guy. Or just <laughs> something like that, and it's so great. That's awesome. <laughs> but, so, that's really cool, though, to think about the fact that uh, a, a Golden Age villain like Red Skull still holds up to this day Yeah, as one of the most irredeemable villains, if not mm. the most irredeemable villains of all time. Yeah. I agree. I concur. Yep. Favorite recent read, Cody? My favorite recent read is Birthright Volume 6. Good. You've read it. Yeah, I did. Let's talk about it for a little yeah. bit. Uh, so I thought that it was weaker than Volumes 5 and 4, but only because it was doing something that needed to be done. Yeah. And that was finally showing us Mikey's encounter with King, with God, King Lore, and mm-hmm. what happened. Yes. It need, uh, we needed to see yeah, that, Yeah, it's exploring stuff that was left in question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it it's just hurts for us because we have volumes four and five, which are just stellar, stellar storytelling. Those are yeah, like, and they're action packed, action packed, really cool. And then you have a slower uh, volume six. I think if you're like if you read the series uh, with volumes four, five, six, and seven, mm-hmm. I think it would be a lot easier to deal with six mm-hmm. because six is like. The, hey, we need to slow down a bit, and we need to go forward with this. I will say the comparison I have, which I think this did better, is the episode, uh, the infamous episode seven uh, for Stranger Things season two, um, which is the- Wait, what? Which is the 11, the 11 episode for Stranger Things season two. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it, like, it just, it dead stops- what we're going with mm-hmm. uh, to focus on this one thing. Mm-hmm. The difference, I would say, is even though we're exploring Mikey's interaction with Lore and how this all started, we're getting stuff that's happening in the real world. Like, yeah. it, is, it is progressing still the story. Oh, yeah. It's a slower it's not, progression. Yeah. Yeah. And so... It's not like we're going somewhere in... In, in, incredibly unrelated. Yes, and I, I see what you're. I yeah. see the comparison. So it's not. It's not a slow like that. It's not like a stop grind rails. Let's go on to this, and then like we'll start those engines right back where we left them. It is. They are still going with it. You just get smaller snippets. Uh, it's still fun. Like it's still a good read. Um, it's just not as. Uh, it's not as thrilling. Yeah. Has four and five. What did you think of the train blowing up and like? They, I guess they were injured, but I I don't know. I mm-hmm. thought that someone should have died, but yeah, it was a pretty crazy uh, explosion. That was cool artwork. Yeah, yeah, but um, that's I being, think that's that's being nitpicky. Yeah, for a I think comic. at this point I've been like with everything that happens with this family, where I'm just like, oh, there's they they're special. Brennan wasn't in this one. The brother, no. no. And that that's, was kind of interesting. I'm excited to see because he's with the mage chick, the sorceress. Uh, Callista. Yeah. Isn't it? Is that her name? I forget. I thought you I, just read it more recent than I did, so you'd know more than I do. Yeah, but neither of them were in it, so I can't really yeah. remember what. Her, yeah. <laughs> but I think they said her name because they were saying that they wanted to 
Like they needed to find him or something I, like that. I, yeah. I think that's her name, but I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, I mean, it's still a great read. I just, I was just thinking about all the excitement in the previous, even, yeah, even yeah. number three was really good, but four and five, yeah. definitely. I still remember when you read three and you're like, do I want to read this anymore? Because <laughs> you're like, he's so evil. Yeah. <laughs> they really make you question yeah. Mikey. Who, who Mikey yeah. is, and then you start to learn more about him. Mm-hmm. And then never mind. And yeah. You see, I, I dig in, in, in volume six when you see that Lore lied to him and manipulated him, mm-hmm. said, no, the nev- that isn't what the never mind is. Or, yeah. or no, that isn't what my war is about. This yeah. isn't actually a war. This is me just wanting peace. And you guys are carrying the war on. Yeah. You're dragging the war out. I don't want any bloodshed. Yeah. It's like, he's such a manipulative. And, and then he just gets back to like, you, you know want what? to see your family again, right? You know, Lore right. would would have been a good. I actually thought about doing it. He's top ten. I I actually thought about doing it. I just we haven't seen. I want to finish the series. Yeah, like before yeah. I I put him on a list like this. Yeah. You think they're gonna finish it and leave it alone when they when they when they do? Is it? I just... really hope so. I really hope it just ends. Yeah. Like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, or just just have it be its own story. Yeah, and I, not just keep dragging it out. The only, the only series that I like, unopened in- endedness is is the big two, Marvel and DC. Just that exploring new stories with these characters that we like. Um, but any other like third party, like indie stuff, I I like it more when it's a an enclosed story. Yeah. Yeah. When I know it's going to end at some point. Yeah, and that's why I like Amory Wars is it's it's a it's a finite story yeah. where it's got a beginning and an ending. And it's actually why I haven't read any more Green Lantern. Because the end of the Jeff Johns run in New Fifty Two, literally that that trade is called the end. And so to me that's the end of the Green Lantern story. And so it's hard for me to read the new stuff because it's like he even went bit by bit and like said this is these characters futures like like he talked in depth about who these characters are and where they end up later in life Mm -hmm. it's just like i don't need more green lantern stories you don't need to fix what's not broken yeah and i feel kind of the same way about batman yeah i feel like batman can be done I really hope that it's going to get to that point. Maybe after, not now. They've probably done too many 50, new things with him. After issue 50, when he gets married to Catwoman. But that's a huge thing. There's so many variant titles. So many variant covers mm-hmm. of issue 50, which is uh, the wedding. There's a ton. ton of just bat, or ton of just Catwoman in a, her dress. Really? Yeah, in different poses. I haven't seen it. Um, my favorite recent read is Teen Titans Volume 3. Uh, it really impressed me because it it hit on a lot of social tones, uh, especially with um, it. At the very end, it started describing uh, each of the char- new characters' backstories. So like uh, Beast Boy or the Changeling is his name in this. Uh, the Changeling, Cyborg, uh, Starfire, and Raven. Like, it really started talking about their backstories and how they grew into what they are. Uh, 
and Cyborgs is really cool, really good stuff. And I think the coolest part in the in the comic is he grew up with scientist parents who essentially experimented on him um, continuously as a kid, even though he didn't really know it. And he was homeschooled, and he wasn't allowed to leave his place. And for those who don't know, Cyborg is a black character. And so when he finally does, he actually leaves, he sneaks out, and he meets another character. Um, He meets another character who is very, like, socially active, like, um, Black Panther kind of stuff. Like, Like, we need to physically harm the the white man instead of like hey this has happened to us we want to have a dialogue it was like we need to get to a point where violence is the only way they'll listen to us uh and it was a really cool interaction between cyborg and this character or his name is victor stone so like between victor and this character because there's one moment where the character goes everything that is wrong with your life is because of the white man. And Cyborg straight up says, I lived in a lab where the only people I knew were my parents who are black. I don't know this racial tension between you guys. Like it's, it's a really interesting part where he's like, no, the, the issues I'm dealing with are from my parents uh, and so he, d- it's just a really cool dynamic. It's nothing to say like that people haven't been oppressed, that they haven't gone through that, and it's not uh, the fault of any one person. He's just coming from a unique situation where yeah. he, he he doesn't connect with that. Yes, exactly. And I didn't experience yeah, that. I thought it was really interesting. And later on, he does deal like he starts experiencing that. Uh, and this guy's like, "Well, haven't you dealt with this?" Blah blah blah. And he's like, "Yes." And then I think they were going to bomb the... It got crazy. They're like, they were going to bomb the UN. uh, And he stops it. And he's like, well, haven't you, like, haven't you dealt with this before? And he said, yes, but I'm not going to harm others because of the actions of this man. Right. Um, And I thought that was a really cool line of just, because of what this guy did to me, because of my color... I am not going to place blame on these other people, and I'm not going to hurt them. Uh, and at that moment, he has a choice to either disarm the bomb. The guy trips and he's falling uh, off the building, so he has the choice to either throw the bomb or save the guy, and he chooses to throw the bomb because uh, he can't let um, the explosion kill the people in the building. Uh, and so it's a really powerful thing. This trade, and then it also goes into Starfire's background of how she, her sister was, uh, her sister was had a illness where she didn't get the same powers as her, and so even though her sister was older, Starfire got the, um, the heir to be the ruler of her place instead of they're both princesses, but she got the um, privilege to become the heir because she had the the full set of powers and uh, how she gets sold into slavery and the things that she deals with. Um, it's really harrowing stuff and, yeah, crazy things that she has to deal with. Um, 
but yeah, I it's it's really interesting. It was a really cool read. The first part of the book was definitely the craziness of like early eighties uh comics mm-hmm. where you had a girl who had enhanced magnetic thought waves mm-hmm. and so things around her that were like metal like started just becoming a hurricane mm-hmm. and like she like they would be thrown at each other and stuff like that. Uh so that I mean that was kind of silly, but it ended up being a really cool thing where people are like uh, her mother thought she was the devil and she was possessed and was trying to kill her constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like some of the characters were asking, like, is she possessed? Like, does she have to be put down? Can we even find a way to stop this? Uh, so it was really cool seeing them deal with that. Uh, and they dealt with that a lot throughout the the comic of who these what was going on with these characters and uh, how they could help in certain situations. Cool. Really good stuff. Marv Wolfman is a really good writer. Yeah, really I know you writer. like his work a lot. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you so much yeah. for listening tonight. Or today. We'll or this morning, you. whenever you listen. You know, this week, this month, We're this recording year. this at night, so. Yeah. Yes, That's like why. always. That's why I said that. See you later. Later, guys. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>